I have four other kids too that now I'm just like, please, you know, like trying to do my best. But that is my shame, so much shame and guilt that I hold on every day when I look at my older son and I think, did I, is it my fault? So what can you do about yesterday? Nothing. I, nothing at all. Yeah. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Yeah, hello from the Plugged In Media Network. My name is Damian Davis, uh, sitting in the host chair today. It's been a couple months since I've had the opportunity to sit uh, in this studio to record a podcast for uh, From Darkness to Life, an OCJ podcast series. Uh, I have the pleasure of sitting here with uh, Rob, Amber, and Jen this morning. Um, we don't really have a topic per se, so we're just kind of getting together today and uh, you know, probably going to talk a little bit about uh, resolutions and, you know, life in 2021 and what 2022 looks like for us. So uh, like we usually do here uh, on the From Darkness to Life podcast, uh, Jen, how are you being? Hey, Damien, I am being great. I know you don't like that answer because it's like the simple, hey, I'm good. Thanks, Kate. Next. But no, um, I'm good. It's cold, which I don't really like. But other than that... Um, yeah, everything's really good. Christmas was awesome. I love Christmas and I'm actually, well, I'm kind of happy it's over, but yeah, it was great. And yeah, it's your turn, Amber. How are you, Amber? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I'm okay. I had a really quiet end to my year. I wasn't feeling very well, but I have a tendency, I think, to run really busy all the time and then burn out. So it was nice to just be able to take some time and have quality time with my family at the end of the year and just my kids and enjoyed spending time with them and not being engaged outside of my household. It was really, really rewarding. And that's not something I do enough that I need to spend time doing. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that completely. I, I can think of uh, coming into the Christmas holidays my wife and I both were, you know, we're working right till the 24th. And, you know, I brought my laptop home to get all this work done over the holidays. And, and it was kind of like, no, I'm not doing that. And I like, then it became a game of like, how many days can I not look at my computer? And made it, made it a point of like not touching my computer between Christmas and New Year's and needed that and not realizing necessarily how bad I needed that to just unplug. Yeah. No, it was uh, quiet holidays. Didn't really do a whole lot. Didn't really go too far. Not that we've really gone too far in the last couple of years, but uh, we managed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, kind of the same. You know, I to see my three boys on Christmas Day and like how magical it was, it, uh, it was really, I don't know if humbling was the right word, but it was, it was very, I guess, grateful i was very grateful to be where i am and to have created you know this kind of special life through sobriety through you know all the stuff that i've done over the last seven years but then just to see the innocence and the excitement and the the beauty of them just on christmas morning was was amazing um but to you know 
after that, I get start getting anxiety. You know, I have to go back to work here in a couple of days. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm thinking about all these, the pressures and things that I have that I have to take care of to make sure my family's set up for a month and yada, yada, yada. And I don't know, the last week has been really shitty. Yeah. To be quite honest, a uh, lot of stress, a lot of anger, a lot of, uh, I don't know, sadness, I think in my heart for, you know, for whatever reason. And I guess maybe that's something we can explore today is <laughs> what, uh, well, the stresses of reality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You go from this magical moment and all this build up on, you know, the holidays and being with family to, for me, just a letdown of, oh, I got to leave. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, that fucking sucks to be honest. But the, rea- yeah. but the reality is, is how many years, how many times and how many people, you know, do we know or even not know that weren't able to experience those magical, you know, that magical high of, of having Christmas with the kids and, and being of sound mind to be able to do so as opposed to, you know, years gone past or, people that aren't, you know, didn't have the same experience. And so it became a much more negative experience as opposed to a, a magical one. You know, pretty, I, I feel pretty blessed about being able to be like that in life now anyway. Yeah. And I bet a lot of people experience a lot of sadness too, like for many different reasons during the holidays or after the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everything's just kind of out of whack in the world right now. So yeah, I could just imagine that a lot more people are saddened or hurt or upset today this morning as we're sitting here yeah Yeah. it was it was definitely a unique christmas in our household um my wife unfortunately lost her youngest sister last year um as well as her cousin so they were four months apart in age and died seven months apart um both of addiction and so this was the first christmas without them uh, both here and for the family back home. And so that was a a new experience uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I had a question, Damien. Do you find it harder this week just because of the holidays? Or do you feel like you go through the same rut consistently every time you have to go back? Oh, same rut every time. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I start to, you know, you see on the calendar that the days are ticking by and yeah. Especially, I guess, over the last couple of years with this pandemic and with all these things that have gone on, um, I haven't invested as much in 12-step. I haven't invested as much in um, supporting and helping other people. And, and I've really, you know, the first five years of my sobriety, I, I was out there grinding, chasing people down, helping, sponsoring, hitting tons of meetings, doing all these things. Busy, right? And then, you know, Julie and I have, you know, three kids in four years, five years, I guess. And over the past two years, it just kind of stepped back and like, I'm going to focus on my family. My family needs me. And like I said, I, I could probably count on both hands how many AA meetings I've been, or 12-step meetings I've been to in the last, uh, last two years and been kind of, I don't know if I'm using that as an excuse or as a crutch, but I can definitely f- see that, you know, my, the anger is starting to build up again, the the resentment in self. And then, you know, it always gets worse the, the week before I have to go away because I'm trying to get all these things done. And then I feel guilty that I haven't done more and I haven't supported Julie more. And, you know, and then I just start beating myself up and then the anger comes out and then I get angry that I'm angry and fuck, it's just, it's a vicious cycle. Right. So we, you know, I can think of a couple times where I have really focused on being happy and present 
And then this last, I wouldn't even say week, the last few days, I just have been, yeah, kind of surly and In like a pit. bear. And yeah, kind of. And it's crazy when you know how to get yourself out of that, but you're still kind of stuck not doing anything to get out of that. It, it blows, right? It's hard to get yourself out of the pit when you're in it. You're just sitting. Yeah. And I know we've been, we were talking about um, New Year's resolutions, how we don't really do them. But I guess now that we're talking about it, like self-compassion could be a really good one. I mean, give yourself more credit. Like you're rocking it. Um, Yeah. And I think that's something maybe we all need to do because we tear ourselves down, right? Like for anything, like getting mad at our kids. Oh crap. I did that again today. But giving ourselves a little bit more self-compassion and working through that, that it's okay. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any tricks for that, but I know Damien, you do amazing things and yeah, it can be easy to leave monthly and so, but. Yeah. It's, it, 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 I'm very, I, I'm like Rob, I, I'm very blessed. You know, I get to have six months of the year off where I get to spend it full time with your family. Right. Um, but then, it's funny. I, I think about this often, like when I'm away on a rig working with, you know, 150 men and women in this industry, I'm like so compassionate and kind and never raise my voice yet. I'll raise my voice to a four-year-old or a three-year-old for fucking, for what? Right. Because they're being four or three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What the fuck. Right. And, and then I just beat myself up over that because I don't want to be that dad. And it's not like I'm in a pit. I'm just, it's like, I got one foot in. I'm like, I want to be a victim. Just fucking be a victim. Then oh, like, I get it. I you get know? it. Yeah. But then I know that I have to be responsible. And then it's just tough. Like, you know, I just, I think of, you know, all the missed opportunities over the last month, but are, were they, you it's, know? It's funny how we're so different because you have this amazing career and family. And I mean, I have five kids and I have an amazing family too, but I've never had a career. I've never stepped outside the home. So if I've been a stay home mom for 18 years. I've had little jobs here and there, you know, like bartending, but I have never, I, I didn't graduate high school. So now I'm at this age where it's harder for me to get a job. My kids <coughs> are all in school and I still haven't had a career. I've had to have a job. I've just a stay home mom. And so I, I get that feeling of like, I don't know. For me, it's hard because I'm, I feel like I'm not contributing to my family much as and I, I put myself down on that because I don't have skills to go out and get a job. Like, what am I going to do? But, um, yeah. I think I, my first comment would be the fact that you're not just a stay-at-home mom. That's exactly yeah. where my head went. I was like, you have the hardest job on the planet. <laughs> but I mean, you said you have five children. I'm like, you are a saint. Like, I yeah. have, We have two, and I can remember very explicitly talking to my wife after our second one. Like, that was it. There is not a chance. And in my mind, anybody that has more than two is, is a saint. I don't know where you find the time or the sanity. Well, I mean, I, I'm a recovering addict. So yeah. that was a little bit of my savior, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I was a horrible mother probably for a long time because I used alcohol to help me get through the day mm-hmm. with my five little kids. I had three in diapers. I had two that were under 10. I mean, um, yeah. So I definitely did use alcohol and whatever from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed to survive. Um, now I don't do that anymore. And I look back and yeah, but again, being a stay home mom was really, really hard for me. Um, a lot of times it was really lonely. And so it would be nice. I think about that, like, Ooh, getting a job, like how would mm-hmm. it be like when I get called here, I'm like, yay, I'm going to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, just having a purpose of doing something right rather than just kind of feeling low on yourself, like Damien was saying or whatever. But I think the, the intrigue of the unknown is always, you know, going to be a draw in a sense. I can remember, you know, many years ago, you know, before I started in the oil patch to think, oh, that, how amazing would that be to be gone, be, you know, staying in a hotel and somebody's, you know, the, the room's cleaned up and we're eating in restaurants, so it's taken care of. And it took about a week for that to be quite old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and yet proceeded to stay there for the next 15 years. Uh, you know, it wasn't until I started having young children and stepped out of that to step full-time into, you know, the music industry and, and uh, things like this. And, and I think that's part of it for me is like, I've been doing this, what I do in oil and gas for so long and I want out, you know, I want to, I have young kids. I want to coach hockey. I want to be around. I want to do these things, but it's scary. So, you know, that, that change and stepping out of that is scary. And, and I go through these, <laughs> these huge periods of growth where I be, I get hungry and then I, I grow and I, I start to thrive again and I'm happy and things are just going well. And then I go into this complacency mode where I just want to tune things out. So like, you know, put the kids to bed at seven, seven thirty, turn on Netflix, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not growing, I'm not reading, I'm not meditating, I'm not praying. I'm not, you know, I just want, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, fuck, where did this month go of all this opportunity I had to grow and to become better and to do all these things. So I, uh, I don't have that balance mm-hmm. at certain points that allows me to step out and do something different and take a big chance and get into something that, you know, would make, make my heart a little bit more happy. It's not like oil and gas doesn't make me happy. Like I I love it. I can relate. But is my purpose somewhere else? Mm -hmm. And I think it is, but then I'm afraid to go chase it. Right. I'm afraid to run towards it. Right. Change is hard for one. And I mean, you know, I'll be the first to attest financially, you know, the last two years with this, you know, with this change, you know, outside of a pandemic was definitely a, a financial shock as far as, you know, income wise compared to the stability of 15 years in a, you know, in an oil and gas uh, career. Uh, but the, the life value and the, you know, the, the currency that, you know, comes with being able to be with my family and, and be connected to my community like that has definitely been worth it. I mean, it's been hard, you know. I don't think it's unrelated in the sense that, you know, I think that the challenges are the same. It's just a perspective of where, how it's relevant to each of us. My, yeah, my I, question I to you, my question to you is what, what have you found? Like if, if, if this is a, something that you go through each time you, you leave, what have you found on the times that you didn't feel like that? What did you do that made it easier for you? Is there, is there such a thing? No, yeah, hundred percent connected. So, uh, I just think about, so the last set of days off I had to go, had off, I guess three months ago and where I thrived and where I didn't have that anxiety and that shit go on for the last week was we were recording podcasts. We were helping people. I was engaged with the community I was doing, you know, mm-hmm. selfless stuff, outwardly focused. And that's a common thread when I'm not outwardly focused and I'm inwardly focused, things get rough, mm-hmm. you know? it doesn't matter if it's just going to work or, or what have you. That's just kind of a universal principle that I found in my life. When I'm mm-hmm. overly focused, life is easy. Life is good. Life is happy. Life is grace filled for Damien. But when I'm not like this last month of days off, we haven't been, I haven't been going to meetings. I haven't been outwardly focused. I've been kind of, you know, selfishly enjoying the holidays with my family, 
doing those things. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck, angry Damien shows up again. Mm. Um, so there's a direct correlation. Yeah. Five years of sobriety, out there grinding, going to tons of meetings, helping lots of people. Pretty grace-filled. You know, with small periods of anxiety and, you know, depression and what have you, but out of it really quickly. But when I'm in this pandemic mode of, well, I'm not going to go to meetings because I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to get this. I don't want to get that. Then all of a sudden, yeah. To engagement. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? Yeah. Isolation can be, it's, it's hard. I, 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 I th also thrive when I'm connected with people, like being in a group, helping, doing whatever it is. I also just love that. But again, I'm a stay home mom. So the second I get out, I'm like, hello, hi everybody. Yay. Humans. <laughs> so I, definitely need connection to um especially right now because it's cold and i mean you know when it's summer you go and go outside on your deck you see your neighbors you see everybody in the winter it's everybody's in hibernation mode it really does seem just dead in the world it just seems like everything's just stopped for now and yeah it can get really lonely and then i also get anger and i'm patient with my children because we've been in the house together i mean we we're the only ones that hang out with each other we're always together and so yeah, I think getting connected with people and doing things is also something that fills my bucket, definitely. Yeah, it must be like a, an addictive personality type thing because I'm very similar to Damien. I have a tendency to want to commit, but I'll go into a space of like, I call it crippling anxiety, where I feel like no matter what I do, I'm not able to do, and it could be the simplest of tasks. And I usually tend <sighs> to get in that space like once or twice a month. And I don't know if it's a balance of trying to overachieve, burning yourself out. And then, yeah, you don't do things you know you're supposed to be doing. And then you feel like shit about yourself and you go through the rabbit hole all the time. And it's crazy because like I'm out working. I'm always with the community. Community is a big, a big driver for my happiness as well. But yeah, even having the work-life, home-life balance, I still can just get depressed. Yeah. I find, yeah. The, I find the quiet time the hardest, personally. Like, it is. It's yeah. like we're. I'm happier if I'm consistently out and have a routine and things are going on yeah. and I'm not falling into a But a I don't know if you guys are like home. me, but the brain goes too, right? Like yeah. When, well, when you're sitting, not doing much. You overanalyze, you overthink, <laughs> you <yeah>. start, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, manifesting uh, just terrible yeah terrible like, things i'm a people person and i need to be around yeah, people yeah. but that being said i very easily fall into the pocket like when i'm you know taken back and i you know sit in my house quietly by myself i can find myself turning one day into two days into 10 days into you know and and be there and think oh, i need to go talk to people but mm -hmm. but you're wrapped up in that that the quietness of home and that i find to be the crazy part like, I don't know if it's the old, the old addict mentality that comes out, but like, I seem to thrive the most when things are chaotic in the sense. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. You know, oh, I have a deadline tomorrow. Oh man. All the creativity in the world yeah. just came to me and I can power through this for the next 24 hours solid. But if I had three months to lead up to that, it, it, you know, you might peck at it a little bit. Well, it's, it, for me, it's, uh, um, at work, I lead the most, uh, consistent structured life possible. I know exactly when I wake up. I know exactly when I have my first four meetings of the day, exactly when I'm going to eat. I know exactly what I'm going to eat and I know exactly when I'm going to go to bed, but then I come home and I don't have that structure mm -hmm. with three little boys. It's like, Oh, duh. and then we do this. And then 
you know, I, I get discombobulated a little bit and I feel like I want to get all of this stuff done because I have to stay busy. Maybe that's because I don't want my brain to turn on. And if I don't get those things done, then I get frustrated. And then, you know, and, and then I was just thinking about it over the holidays, you know, I'm not eating as healthy as I want to. I'm not working out or training as much as I want to. My, you know, I have a huge negative self body image issue, you know, like I hate how I look. I hate so many things about me and then exacerbate that by, you know, I feel like we're the same person, Damon. Nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's true. Like I, I always have, I've always had this issue with me. I remember being a kid and having to get like 28 waist jeans, you know, that was what fit me. And I thought I was fat and I wanted 24s, right? And I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? So I'm trying to fit into 24s. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and, and that's that's followed me. Like now yeah. I, I wear a 34 and I'm still like, oh man, I wish I wore a 32. It's like, fuck, we're, I'm 44 years old. Where is this coming from, right? And yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, over the holidays really gets to me because I feel bloated. I feel gross. I feel this. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, go work out. And then I, work out and it's not what I half-assed it well but I'm doing something that's not where I want to be and then I realize like fuck you're 44 like (laughs) you're not in your 20s anymore and and so it all kind of piles up on you and yeah yeah we all yeah everybody has a struggle hey like I'm the odd man out here <laughs> I'm like, you know, you rattle on off like a size 24 jean. I'm thinking I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm 44, uh, you know, with a, with a 40 waist and, you know, 280 pounds. Um, but it's, it, it's funny because it's of, of, of all the things that get in my head and, and get in my way. Um, for me, um, personal body image isn't one of them for me. Um, I am who I am and, you know, people are going to like it or not. And I'm comfortable with that. And so that's where, you know, not that it's a good thing, but it's, it's, it's things like that, that, that have kept me from going to a gym. It's not that I don't know. I should probably get a little bit healthier, maybe get a little bit more stamina going in my life. Breathing would be great, but no, you know, I just continue to be comfortable in who I am and become fatter, I guess. Hey, I mean, I'm on that too. Cake for breakfast and sugar cookie coffee. I've I've been within the same 10 pound range for the last 11 years that my wife, uh, since she moved from Ontario to be with me, she put 40 pounds on me when she first moved here. That's love. Oh, she was baking. Yeah, uh, love. I, you bet. I'm heading to the rig love with weight. like yeah. two loaves of banana bread in one baggie and a baggie of cookies in the other. Like the, the boys loved it. Put 40 pounds on me and it stayed there for 11 years now. Aww. Like within 10 pounds, always. I try to do that for my husband, but he's a little harder to put weight on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess it's, you know. So what do you want to do about that for this year then? I was going to say, how do we stop wow. being hard on ourselves? Yeah. Well, I think it's, I don't know if we do. I think uh, I have these character traits and I have these character defects. Mm-hmm. And I think the character defects and traits are meant perfectly for me, you know? And, and mm-hmm. I forget that sometimes that they're, they serve a purpose that lets me sit here today and talk about the things that are going on with me so that maybe somebody else hears, here's my story or here's what I'm talking about. And they can relate and they say like, you know, there's maybe there's other dudes out there with self body image issues and they aren't getting up, you know, to do something about it. For me, it's, you know, Julie and I talked about setting goals last night, not resolutions, but goals, which Mm -hmm. I've done goal setting in my life. I've, you know, achieved some amazing goals, but I've never done it with a partner. I've never done it 
you know, as a team to set ourselves up for success. So, and it scared me. I'm like, Oh fuck goals that I have to work, you know, to, to achieve them. So maybe that's where it starts for me is setting some goals. My wife jots some of those things down and packs them with the Christmas, uh, decorations. And so literally it's packed away for the year. And then when we pull everything out at, uh, at the end of the year to get ready for Christmas and get into that excitement, finds the, the, the paper with what she's written on it to see where the year, where the year fell, whether it was, you know, on point or above or below or how it came. That's a super cool idea. Yeah. Buy the pair of 32 jeans, put them in the Christmas yeah. box, yeah. <laughs> and then at Christmas, put them on. <laughs> but, and, and, and I know the power of putting goals or visions on paper. Like I've, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've shared this with you guys before, but I think it was six years ago, I did this men's leadership course down in California. And um, part of it was like this two day thing you do out in the forest. And I wrote my goals. My goals were literally to be doing what I'm doing career wise mm-hmm. to have three little kids to be married to have all these things and literally every single one of the things i wrote down has come to fruition you know um through the universe just you know taking that those thoughts i put out there and helping me to achieve those yet i'm scared of doing that again you know to put down on paper the things that i truly want to chase down again because i don't know why um fear kind of just builds up inside of me and I don't I don't know what that outcome looks like you know staying in oil and gas doing what I've been doing for 23 years I know what that outcome Mm -hmm. looks like I know how successful I will be in that but all the other things I want to do those are all unknown those are all the things like holy fuck what does that look like it's amazing the power of of, you know of, of a dream board and of of goals like that you know I've I've known people I know one gentleman I used to work with years ago he literally showed me a picture of the dream board that he had built with the home that they wanted to have. And, and I mean, they had a great life to begin with, but this was, you know, where they wanted to go and everything else. And this, this house, they had this picture of this house, they had cut out of a, a magazine and whatnot and put it on their, on their dream board. And, you know, five years later, they're literally living in the exact house that they cut out of the magazine to put on their dream board. Um, you know, things just came through the way that they were meant to. And, and it came to fruition, just like so many of the things you were just saying. Yeah, kind of like my husband, I mean, I have so much, so much respect for him, but he was in the oil and patch, whatever you want to call it, patch <laughs> field, oil field. Um, but with five kids, he was always gone and it was the unknown, right? Like you you have all this money and then March comes and mm-hmm. then, oh, there goes the savings. And then it was just this thing that we had to do over for 12 years. And so during COVID the last couple of years, he said, Okay, that's enough. Like, I don't want to do oil field anymore. So he went and did his real estate course and completely, completely changed careers. Like, mm-hmm. went from pipe fitting to real estate, which to him was like, oh my gosh, so scary. But um, yeah, he did it. He changed careers just like that. And good for him. It, was, it was good. I mean, it was really scary for everybody. And I think for him too, but he, he kind of hit it a bit and he was really strong. And mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think... For you, Damien, it's so doable. Shannon has a list that she made of, like, before we were together of, you know, the ideal man in her life and who she wanted to be with. And once we'd been together for a year, like, she moved from Ontario for us to be together in the whole nine. Um, You know, she's showing me this letter and literally it it described me to a T other than I don't have an accent. 
Apparently, she was looking for a gentleman with an accent. But <laughs> like, it, it just blew my mind at how, you know, she had written this out without, like, we weren't talking or anything else like that at the time. And it was, it, it was me to a T. Yeah, I guess it, we draw into our lives the things that uh, we truly desire. And mm-hmm. I guess that's the the learning for from all this for me is like, put it out there. You, know, you never know what you're going to get. But then I get, uh, there are certain things that I put out there and then I get, and then I get resentful towards getting them. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Being me is a so The takeaway from fuck. today is there's no winning. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I feel, oh. like, I feel like we're picking on Damon though. No. What's everybody else got to say? <laughs> uh, for me, I feel like I need to, I need to spend my new year wondering, like, I have a consistently growing career and sky's the limit in my job, but is that really the end all be all? Mm -hmm. And that's what I find myself at the end of this year, like, contemplating, like, is this really going to serve me for forever? Always being like, I want to be in that growth mindset, but I think that my growth mindset is, (coughs) is going to be better served, you know, not necessarily in my job. And I think I've mm-hmm. always found it to be my job. And that's probably similar to you. Like I didn't graduate high school. I'm lucky. I did get this uh, job and it's been very successful for me, but, and I wonder if like, because I didn't have that, if that's why I chase to always be mm-hmm. an overachiever. And so like sitting back and, and thinking, is that like, am I good where I'm at right now? I could be, and I could spend more time doing other purposeful things like being here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I serving other people. I'm another, I'm another high school dropout. Yeah. Um, and actually I went back, um, a couple of years ago, uh, before I started doing the music industry stuff full time, I was contemplating doing the real estate thing. And one of the prerequisites was having your grade 12. And so I had to go and I, I went and wrote the, the GED and lined it all up. I did it all in one day down in Lethbridge. Nightmare. <laughs> it was absolute nightmare, like eight and a half hours of exams. Yeah. But you want to talk about an exercise in humility, call your old high school and ask them for your transcript. Oh, I have. They, they <laughs> hang up the phone. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> My school doesn't like, even exist anymore. Like, talk about a disconnect, though. I'm like, like, what do you mean 10 credits? Like, I'm sure I was there for more than that. Like, there was four years wrapped up in there. And, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was an exercise in humility for sure. Yeah, I hope this... I mean, for me this year, 2022, I, I want to go to concerts because music is my life as well. Mm-hmm. I love music. But also, I hope that something comes up, right? I mean, like, I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom anymore. I, my kids are all at school, so I'm a stay-home-alone mom. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, I hope that something comes for me this year anyways. That's definitely one of my goals is to just get out there, hopefully, so... I think we, I think if anybody like, needs a good worker, just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think we got a great opportunity coming, you know, in 2022. I think, you know, people as a whole, um, the community as a whole, and the country as a whole, I think, has learned a lot in the last two years of of having these pauses. As much as they've been frustrating, I think that there's been a lot of valuable data collected and understanding, um, allowing us to move forward in a positive manner. I really think. I'm really hopeful for for what the year has to come. And the family connection, I also think that this pandemic, I guess you want to say, has brought, to me, has been priceless. Mm -hmm. So priceless. I mean, years ago, I would complain and I would just be counting the days for Christmas break to be done. But 
honestly, like we're just, it's okay. Like it's, mm. yeah, it's peaceful. It's okay that we're stuck at home together. <laughs> we got all this, like you were saying, uncertainty. Um, so I run a music festival here and, uh, you know, we've just decided that, you know, everything's going to, given the state of the state of the, the, the situation, we've gone completely digital now. And, uh, so it's, it's complete chaos, but it's at the same token, it's comforting. It's like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. It's, concerts were just the just, best. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember going like Iron Maiden, I've seen everybody, Iron Maiden, Megadeth, everyone. That's just, okay. and it's sad, right? Cause my son turned 18 this year and, um, he didn't go to the bar or, you know, no concerts. Like, yeah. will they experience what we did? Will they get to go and into a bar where everyone's loud and screaming and, you know, music is there. You know, that atmosphere that we experienced when we were young. Um, I feel like they don't have that. They're just at home with maybe a friend or two. And it's kind of sad, I guess, sometimes to see that. And like concerts. Oh, man, like I explained to my kids all the concerts I've been to and they're like, wow, that's crazy. But like, will they see that? I think it will. It'll be different. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, with you being a teenage, uh, a mom of teenage kids, I mean, you know, their experience is different. And like, I can remember when we had our nephew come to live with us for a year to finish high school and, and what a difference, ex different experience that was for me as far as like just even communicating with him. I can remember the first time I come to the basement and I, I can hear him talking and talking a lot, carry on a conversation, and there's not a single person in the room. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? He's like, I'm hanging out with my friends, man. Yeah. I'm like, pardon? On their headset? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, he had it in his other ear, which was on yeah. the opposite side, and I couldn't see that. But, you know, it's so different for them than it was for us. Um, oh, yeah. And it, and it was so different for us than it was for our parents. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have Woodstock. Even though we have concerts, we don't have Woodstock. Mm -hmm. You know, these things evolve and i think that's what our our children are going to get to experience i mean mine are much younger uh mine are two and five i think sometimes like when i think of my kids i almost wonder if there's a bit of a blessing there too because i found so much trouble being out and i think oh, to myself man yeah. my kids my kids are definitely not who i was yeah. but oh. they're also not they're not out really gallivanting finding oh mine are not like stuff. me at all that's yeah. why i'm like yeah you're good yeah are you gonna steal a car tonight nope all right <laughs> I'm, I'm just having like kind of an on aha moment where you know what you were talking about like I, it sounded like jen that you want your kids to have the experiences that you have and or had and i'm kind of not wanting that at all for my kids i don't every time i fuck up every time i yell every time i get frustrated I'm thinking I'm fucking my kids up like my parents, not saying my parents fucked me up, but that my kids will turn out like me. You know, I don't want them to be this at 44. I want them to be better than me. So, you know, kind of similar where I remember my parents getting frustrated and, you know, spanking and yelling and, you know, the dysfunction that was there. And then I, you know, I went to bars, I partied, I did all those things. I wasn't, I didn't allow myself to have feelings and to talk about things and to, <laughs> yeah, I use drugs and alcohol to suppress a lot of things and I don't want to fuck my kids up. You know? Oh yeah, I and hear there's you. So yeah. much I put so much pressure on myself not to, I want to do it perfect. I want to do everything perfect, but then I don't put in any effort to mm -hmm. learn and be better. 
and I want different results. Mm-hmm. But what then, a fucking <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's also scary yeah. also to have them and watch them being in their rooms on their headsets all the time, right? Mm-hmm. That to me, I feel is is worse than being out at a concert or let's say at the bar drinking water, whatever. Just being out where there's big crowds, I guess, you know, even going to the library, all those fun things that they do. Now they're literally isolated in their room. And I think that depression and maybe addiction, um, my oldest son struggles with addiction alone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, yeah, I guess it's when we, I mean, you can stay home and be isolated and struggle, or you could be the one that goes out and struggles. But yeah, again, like Amber said, my kids are nowhere near like me. Mm -hmm. So that's why I feel like it's okay for them to go out. But... I try and find that balance. I understand. Isolation for the kids to me is just heartbreaking. But it's so hard too, because, you know, at the same token, you know, they have these tools in front of them that, that that's occupying their time, be it a video game or whatever else. But that very same resource is like the most powerful encyclopedia that any of us could have ever handed our children. And they literally have the ability to access and learn anything they want to in the world more so than any of us around the table ever had in our lifetime because those technologies didn't occur and so i'm constantly reminded like i don't play video games so i have a very hard time my son wants to play a video game i have to learn to allow that um because it's not in 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 my vocabulary of what i do but then I realize that it's going to be very much a part of his life yeah. and, and what they're going to do. And I'm reminded of like what, you know, historically you think about like even music wise, you know, like when, you know, rock and roll was considered to be a sacrilege and like, you know, families were being broken because children wanted to listen to rock and roll and parents were like, that does not fit into our church model. You're out. And so it's, it's not just us, is yeah. I guess what I what I continue to think. You know, our parents also likely sat there and said, "I want more for my kid um, than what I'm doing at this age." I can remember hearing my father, you know, speak those words. Well, he, he was a mechanic. He absolutely wanted me to do anything in the world but be a mechanic or a truck driver. So I started driving truck. <laughs> and so, how do you how do you think that Damien or Amber or anybody? Um, because you were saying you're afraid to fuck up your kids, right? Like you're real. I'm actually going through that right now where with my oldest, I feel like I'm the reason and I fucked it up. Um, I, I, I have so many memories that I think back, oh, it's this, 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 this. Like I did all these things wrong and this is the reason why he behaves and makes the choices he does now. How, how do you like help yourself with thinking like hey i fucked up my like did i fuck up my kid's life you know through all the shit that i've done is it because of all the trauma that maybe he has you know what i mean and so damien yeah i have four other kids too that now i'm just like please you know like trying to do my best but that is my shame so much shame and guilt that i hold on every day when i look at my older son and i think did i is it my fault so what can you do about yesterday Nothing. I, nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, nothing. No. I think that's, yeah. it's so true. It's like we can only show up in a healthy, positive manner to, and hope, regardless of the choices we've made before, you still show up today, every day, a healthy, positive role model. 
but is it too late, right? Like, Dave, uh, like we say, like, oh, I'm so afraid to fuck up my kids, but mine is 18 now. And it's like, is it, did I, did I do this? <laughs> is he, it too late? You know, he's here with you, you know? Yeah. I don't think, I think too late is, is, you know, a, a concept of, of not doing anything, um, be it your choice or theirs. You know, I don't think that there's ever a, a timeline, you know, could you have, would you have liked to have done it before? For sure. But all you can deal with is today and tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I agree. I think the way that I'm attempting to live is that I want to model for my sons that it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> you know, I want to model to them that no matter when or how many times they see me down, that I'm not going to stay there, that I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep becoming a better version of myself, you know, that I'm going to be open and honest. I'm going to cry in front of them. Then I'm mm-hmm. going to do it's those. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that's what I want to model. Now, you know, I also have to learn that I can't keep repeating the same shit and, you know, staying stuck in anger. Um, like we were talking about before, you know, I, I'm, I'm at my best when I'm supporting other people, when I'm thriving, when I'm out being of service in 12 step, doing the things I need to, I got to get back to that, you know, and, and doing so, you know, take these, you know, last couple of years where I've been, you know, half in, half out, um, and not let them be in vain, you know, use those for a greater purpose to, to come out of this in 2022 to be a better version of myself. Right. And hopefully give permission to others to do the same. Right. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm pretty I'm good. I'm great, mm-hmm. you know. Uh but my lows just seem to be yeah, they're shitty. I don't want to be there. Yeah. You know. Um but I'm I'm just going to keep being the best I can for my sons, mm-hmm. for my community, for myself. I think the greatest thing that I know in in our in our home and in my life, like the greatest change like I came from a from, you know, an abusive upbringing and and that sort of thing, but you know, obviously, you know, We've, we've made sure that, you know, we've eliminated that in raising our own children, but, you know, we still get angry. We still yell at our children, um, you know, and they get disciplined. We're human. But the biggest thing that I've learned, the biggest change that we've done is, is talking to them, you know, uh, talking to them after, like, this is why you were in trouble. This is what we had to do. And this is how we avoid this in the future. And that in itself was something that, neither myself or my wife ever you know experienced in our childhoods growing up in a sense so that to me is where we're taking the biggest change it isn't just about you know not drinking or not doing this or that anymore as much as being able to communicate with these little human beings and and enlighten their minds so that they understand like you said it's not okay it's okay to not be okay communication is such a big a big piece of it and more so now than ever was like yeah. it's, 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 it shows like this and, and conversations like these that, that are normalizing that and allowing that kind of growth to happen in our own households and in our communities around us. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing I can think of. Yeah. I guess it goes part and parcel with what I just said, like modeling, modeling what it's like to be a human being, you know, mm-hmm. that we're going to have our ups and our downs but I'm not going to stop trying. Right. Mm -hmm. I do have lots of guilt. I have lots of guilt and resentment towards myself for 
not learning more about how to be a better father or not learn like reading more, or, you know, getting out there and then I'm like, well, fuck. Okay. Well, time to start, you know, and, and change the habits that I have that aren't serving me so that I can become the person that I want to be. Right. And mm-hmm. self-awareness, I guess is key, whether it's self-awareness that I want to be a better parent or self-awareness that I don't want to drink and drug anymore. or I want to be healthier and have a better self body image issue. I'm the one that has to take the actions. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who has to model what that looks like for myself and for others. Right. It all ties in <laughs> all of it, you know, uh, ties into responsibility, me being responsibility for where I'm at right now in this chair and, you know, with no energy on it, negative or positive, just neutral. Yeah. Okay. And a choice. I mean, everything is a choice. Like my husband says, it's a choice, Jen. Yeah. I think so, I- yeah. I think your son will make the choice to change when he's ready. Yeah, that's that's the thing too, right? Because I've been through it all. And so now I'm like, I know mm. this. But to tell him that it's going to go too far, this the blah, 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 it's, it's useless, right? And so that's where my heart just kind of breaks because it's like, I know you, like you, ah. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, I, um, I'm not there as far as having kids of that age, but like I can relate when I see my kids doing something sketchy, like crawling on something or doing something. And I try and mentor them to be responsible for what they're about to do. And they fall and they get hurt. I get mad. I get mad at myself for not saving, rescuing, making it better, you know? And, and I get like, really, I get physically angry and I project that anger out. So I understand that like, I don't want my kids to get hurt. I don't want mm-hmm. them to feel pain. I don't want them to go through what I went through or, or uh, to have those experiences. But then who am I to rob them of the human experience, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing that I struggle with too. Yeah, because it's like I'll save them <clears throat> every day. And it, this has been my goal for the past week is no more, you know, like... Yeah, we forget natural consequences it, are really what... Right? It's kind of enabling, right? So he's yeah. not going to get anywhere if I keep picking him up, driving him, you know, doing all those. And so that's been really hard. Not, You know, I open his bedroom door every morning and he's not there. And it's like, okay. Mm. But I put my phone down and I just leave it because he's a man. And, you know, me nagging at him isn't really going to... Mm. And so, yeah, those... But I also have a six-year-old. I have an eight-year-old. I have a 10-year-old. I have a 15-year-old. So I have so many other things going on too. Mm-hmm. Um, but my oldest does because of the addiction and the guilt that I have because I think it comes from me has more of my attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my other kids, unfortunately, probably see that, you know, but I'm like, well, <laughs> he needs me, but I'm working on it. This week I've been good. I'm not picking him up. I'm not driving him. I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. I think I was a lot angrier and more resentful at my parents before I had children, I think having children of my own has, has helped my own perspective in understanding how some things may have happened in my childhood that I'm, I may have perceived differently than what actually happened. And it wasn't until having children of my own, young children of my own, that, that that started, that perspective came into my mind and I was able to see and understand that. that yeah. Oh, maybe I was mad at dad for a wrong reason. Yeah. Or maybe he was justified in, 
in disciplining me for this or that or saying this or that. His method of discipline might have been different and wrong, but I understand things better now, I think. And I grew up with no discipline whatsoever. Like, I, nothing. My parents parted with me. It was a horrible household. Um, I've seen some really traumatic things in my house. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, I can just keep hammering that in my kids' heads. Like, you guys have it good. Like, blah, blah, blah. You, but I don't know. I just... Parenting is hard. I mean, yeah. we don't know what's what's the good thing, what's the bad thing. I know my childhood and the way my parents did it is definitely absolutely 0% how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, we're all doing our best that we can. And I think as long as at the end of the day, they know we love them and they're warm and comfy. And I don't think our children are parent the same way we did either. Yeah, know? no. I def think that that's changed you right. know, generationally for sure. And that's a good thing. I think. And how much discipline is enough discipline? How much, you know, how much is too much? Like, I got it all. I think at the end of the day, we're all doing the best yeah. job that we can for sure. Uh, yeah. All I want to do is raise responsible risk-taking kids. That's it. You know, ones that, like my son Hunter, it, uh, he's so empathetic and he's so loving and he's so caring and he sees when I struggle and he just comes and tells me that it's okay. And he, he's four, right? And he, he, he hugs me and he tells me it's okay to feel bad. And that, you know, he just wants to take the sadness out of my heart. I'm like, mm. fuck, you know? And, and then I'll get mad at him for dropping a bag of chips and crying. And I don't understand why that's bothering him. And it frustrates me. And then I'm like, fuck, what are you doing? You're his dad. Why are you angry? And then you talk you read something in a book that's like, he just doesn't have that ability to mm -hmm. logically think about the situation. It's just, that's the most emotional, important thing in his life is that bag of chips. And then I'm a fucking asshole to this amazing little boy. And then, yeah, I beat myself up over it for, yeah, you're not alone with that. That's, you know, and I just, you don't think our parents went through that? I think, yeah, I'm sure they did. You know, I, actually, I know they did. I know, you know, my, my, my mom and my dad, well, my mom, regrets a lot of how we were raised right and i try and talk to her a lot about it happened perfectly because look where i am now you know yeah. look how well i'm doing look how happy 100%. i am look what i'm doing and and she lives with all this guilt and blame right um my dad too i think he you know we've talked about it in the past where he you know wishes he would have done things different but then i look at it like you said i see what my dad did to break the cycle and how shitty things were for him mm -hmm. as a kid and as a young adult. And then how he broke that cycle so that I could be sitting here today, sober, raising kids that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to put my hands on. Right. So he started that breaking the cycle chain. Right. So the, the saying that keeps going on in my head since, you know, you are talking about it because, you know, I feel the same frustration with my son and I, and I've definitely been in, 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 in this scenario where I'm going like, why are you freaking crying and whatnot? But but what takes me back is thinking where, where where my parents would have dealt with it. You know, the line that comes to mind is, well, I'll give you something to fucking cry about. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was that was my parents processing and trying to deal with it then. And so, you know, the evolution has worked that we've, you know, we're seeing it. It's not that that, that action doesn't happen. We're human. But the fact that we're learning that I don't need to give my kid a reason to cry um, is growth. 
through generation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you mentioned, there's so much more information out there now than what maybe our parents had access to. And just, you know, knowing what I know and the books that I've read and the things that me and Julie talk about and the things she teaches me and talking to other parents, I know certain things about logical brain, emotional brain. And, you know, and yet in those moments when I go to red, I just forget about that, that I forget that he, he has logical blind spots that he can't fucking Mm -hmm. logically process what just happened. It's all emotion. But then I'm like, shut the fuck up. You know, like I just, <laughs> but like, in the moment you're not like, wait a minute. Right. He's spotting his brain on the left side. <laughs> right. Is, right? But, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, why, hold on. Why are you angry? You're f- this, this is nothing to be angry about. Mm-hmm. And then I get angry at myself and frustrated and sad at myself. And then I'm like, fucking, it, it's not like it happens often, but when it happens, it like, it's like a low spot in my oh. day and in my fucking week. Mm-hmm. And then, I can stay in that, like, fuck, you're a terrible parent. You're not doing it perfect. Your kids are going to be fucked up like you, you know, all that stuff. And then I forget (laughs) all the good things that they are come from me too. Mm -hmm. The empathy, the love, the kindness, the fucking, all that stuff comes from me too. Mm -hmm. But my brain doesn't let me see that my brain just lets me see the negative and mm-hmm. all the pain and the trauma and fuck. yeah me too i mean it's it, it gets exhausting it's mm-hmm. it gets exhausting i mean having different bringing up or lives or a whole different life than let's say the majority of people it's just our brains are just different i i'm down on my i i am so hard on myself with my parenting as well I think a lot of people probably think and feel the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, they just, I don't know. I spend a lot of time, I guess, being aware of it and being aware sometimes sucks because then I have to do something with Mm -hmm. it. Right. And my go-to is take the hammers out and just beat myself up Mm -hmm. and go to a pretty shitty spot. And then I know I have to go away for a month and I don't get to be in their lives and it hurts, Yeah, hurts me and it hurts them and they get sad and, and, uh, but I know that I gotta, I just gotta just keep doing what I'm doing. Right. You know, the, the awareness I have is actually a gift because, uh, my kids get a pretty good version of me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I get to be their dad and they get to be my sons and that's pretty cool. And they're pretty rad. They are. They are, they are super rad. And they have their own rink in their backyard. Yeah. Yeah. We've been skating out there in minus 34, minus 40. It's fucking insane. But I get to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm struggling with my little guy right now. Um, you know, and it, it, it's that same vicious cycle where, you know, my five-year-old, I'm I'm getting angry with him and, and, and quite frustrated with him because he's constantly intimidating his sister. But my solution to that, you know, is inadvertently intimidating him. Oh. You know, and so I'm like, you can't do that to your sister. You can't intimidate your sister. And I'm in front, and I'm like, I'm doing the same fucking thing. How do I stop this? You know, it's, I, I get it, man. I do. Fucking crazy, isn't yeah. it? Where's he learning that from? I don't know where he's learning. Oh, wait a minute. Son of a. You should have five children. Uh, no, 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 no. You guys want to come over today? <laughs> and, and, and that's a real 
stab in the heart for me too is to see when they show up like I show up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At four and three. Yeah. And you're like, oh, how fucked is that? Right. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the number one fuel in the fire for me growing up was you're just like your father. Yeah. And that was like, that was straight snap time. Like to this day, 44, I hear you're just like your father and it makes me mad. And I look at my son repeating, you know, well, where'd you learn that from? Oh shit. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's, it is when you see them model the behavior that you have shown in anger in whatever, where they, you know, throw something, kick a box, whatever that looks like, storm away. And you're like, Oh, that's me. And then I realized, and I'm the same as you. I, I, I did a lot of things in my life not to be like my father, Mm -hmm. But then I will find myself sitting and holding my hands like my father. And I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa. I do have guy. a good example. My uh, 15-year-old son, I mean, he, he's from my previous marriage. And his dad is also an addict and um, quite a bad man. And so my 15-year-old, when he was little, he had a lot of rage issues. And he was, I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to be terrifying. And he was suspended weekly. Um, mm-hmm. And now he's 15 by 13 between 13 and 15 everything just changed he's the most loving compassionate mm-hmm. kind he's had a girlfriend for over a year um she's the sweetest he takes such good care of her and her grandpa um it just flipped like i thought oh like i could see all the rage from him and his dad but he just grew into this such an amazing young man mm-hmm. um completely different than i would have pictured him when he was really little yeah and so yeah you just you just never know i guess i mean and and the thing i don't want to project onto my kids what i think that they'll become like you Mm know i think taking it back to like me myself body image thing i remember being called chubby like my whole life oh this chubby little kid chubby little kid chubby little kid and and then that's what and that's how i see myself today so you know and Julie and I are talking. We're like, well, Harris, our middle child, he's a wild child. Mm-hmm. He's like, fuck, how is he showing up? He's showing up as that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, let's change our perception of what he's doing because that's, you know, that's just feeding who he is. I'm putting that out energetically that he's uncontrollable, that he's wild, mm-hmm. that he's these things. And he's unique. He's, he's energetic. He's vivacious. He's all these things. He's just amazing but he's different than Hunter. He's, yeah. you know, Hunt, Harris, he, you're crying. He just wants to punch you in the nose. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny that they're so different. Yeah. Like my oldest, who's now stuck in addiction, was the calmest. He never, ever, ever, ever would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Now it's the opposite. My other son, Kaysen, who's 15. I mean, there was a big grass fire in Crescent Heights about 10 years ago. That was my son. He was like eight years old. And him and his friend, they lit matches and it just blew up <laughs> he was like a naughty little boy and i was like oh but he's switched yeah. and now it's the other one like i mean their personalities just keep going twist 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 over time yeah it's just expect the unexpected really yeah. at every age so funny the realizations that come from these conversations you know like sitting here thinking about perspective and i'm like yeah i definitely think that i have a an ideal in my head of what you know i have two sisters both younger um, and then my parents remarried, and so I have, I have two real sisters. I have three stepsisters and a stepbrother, and none of us really get along that well. We talk, but I think you know that was part of my 
projection. You know, I'm hoping my kids, I want them to be best friends. I want them to get along. That's not my choice. Yeah. It's not my choice. You know, I'm worried about my son intimidating my daughter, but the reality is I think I'm more worried about my daughter because I'm seeing anger coming out in her. But like, I can't, you can't pay my son to say sorry. It (laughs) won't come out of him. But my daughter will say sorry for, for stepping in front of you. Like she constantly says sorry. Like they're so different. Wow. And I guess that's like listening to, to you, Jen, and like all, and knowing you and knowing what you went through and seeing how far you've come, say over the last three or four years, maybe some of that modeling that you've done has allowed your 15 year old to like, see what their mom has done and say, yeah, you know, if she can change, I can change. If she can work on it, I can work on it. You know, same with my sons when they see, you know, I never seen my dad cry. I see my dad cry maybe once. And that was at his brother's funeral. And so I never had this, this role model that made it okay to be sad. Right. Or mm-hmm. to, to come through these things. We, we dealt with things with anger, with fists, with fighting, with violence. Right. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm purposely attempting not to have that in mm-hmm. my family. And hopefully yeah, my sons see me struggle. They see me cry. They see me get angry, but they see me apologize. You know, they see me, you know, break something and then they see me have to fix it. Um, maybe that's, you know, the lessons that they need is that it's okay just to, to go through these things. Yeah. And the lesson for me is I have to let them experience their emotions, mm-hmm. you know, not to invalidate them, not to try and shut them up because it bothers me, but just to let them have them. And then when they're ready, be there for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And see, my parents didn't break the cycle of addiction. That there's, My dad committed suicide when I was 16, and my mom is still heavily, heavily in addiction. And so I was the first person in my whole like generations of people to break this cycle, per se. And so that's also something that's really like on me, right? Like with my kids, especially now with my 18 year old, like, is it breaking? Is it not? Like, am I, but when you say like your parents broke this, like they went for recovery for you and now you're in recovery. Um, yeah. I didn't have that role model. So I'm trying to role model that for my kids now, um, as the first person ever in our whole entire family to show them that drugs and alcohol is something we can't have in our bodies. But um, yeah, that's also difficult, right? Like, how do you break the cycle when I was never taught that? So yeah, so there's struggles about everything, really. I think that's my takeaway is like, you know, we all have a unique story. There's we, just, yeah, one thing after another. As long as we're all continually trying to do our best, you, mm-hmm. know, I, you know, some of the most stable households I know of had, you know, uh, produced some of the worst kids that that I ever come across in my life and vice versa. You know, some of the most unstable households in my life created some of the, the greatest people that I've ever come across or, or, you know, walk the face of the earth as far as I'm concerned. So I think there's, you know, we, we constantly are hard on ourselves of whether we're doing the perfect thing, especially for our children. But I think all we can do is do, you know, have that positive mindset, do what we can. And I think accepting the fact that they're going to be who they're going to be is probably the hardest part I find. Yeah. It's so challenging. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I find it really hard with teenagers too. Like, I, I don't want my daughter is, I love her. God, she's so lazy. She just does not want to get her work done. And I'm always up her ass. And I finally have taken a seat back to say, you know what? Like, this is just going to go the way it's going to go. And I have to be okay with that. And my husband's like, you got to let it go. But I think too, like, same thing. You want to baby them. Like, I don't have a grade 12 graduate diploma on my wall. I don't want her to have that same issue or that same embarrassment that came with it for me. So I'm always just up her ass, which ends up in a big catastrophic disastrous fight anyways, which is, doesn't solve anything either. Well, that's that projected expectations, right? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I ever learned is, you know, without expectations, you know, there can be no disappointment. Yeah. You know, if, and we've raised, we've had nieces and nephews come live with us, you know, where they're at that late age where you're like, okay, you're 16, like you're a responsible adult. And then you quickly see like, oh, okay, we need to work in these areas, um, you know, because our expectation was there. And it's, you know, if you, if you judge a fish by how it climbs a tree, it's always going to think that it's crazy. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can a fish climb a tree? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's it. I, but, and I think like for, for me, I want, I want to be that model for my kids where they do set goals, you know, on a consistent basis where they do, you know, read a little bit more often where they do, you know, want the best out of their lives where they don't become complacent and, you know, maybe use some of our experiences to be the best version of themselves. Right. And I guess, and I take it back to, you know, for me, this, this goal setting for 2022 is scary, but how can I have asked my kids to be, you know, bigger, better, mm-hmm. you know, more responsible risk-taking if I'm not doing the same thing mm-hmm. and modeling those things, you know, for them. If I'm just hitting 7.30, hitting Netflix and tuning out for two hours, you know, and not becoming the best version of myself, how can I want that for my kids? Mm-hmm. So I guess... I'm answering my own fucking questions. Like we always <laughs> do every time, right? Every you know, time. It's, it's, if it's to be, it's up to me and I got to, uh, I got to make it happen. Well, yeah. I mean, 2022 for me, as far as goal setting, <laughs> you know, I've, I've just kind of kept it simple for myself and it's just simply do better. doesn't matter what it is, you know, this way I, I haven't overlooked an area. Um, just whatever it is that I'm trying to do, I want to try and do better at it. Whether it's, you know, maintaining the household, maintaining the business, whatever it be, I just want to do better at it. Try and keep it simple this year, I think. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Just keep being kind, honest. And yeah, that's all I really need to do. Stick to my recovery, try a little bit, bit more patient with my children. Um, with five, that's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, that was just, just, that was just like, you know, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's for me, it's just being honest and sober and um, kind. It's there. I'm here to help anybody that needs anything. And um, yeah. It's awesome. And I know for me, like, because I missed out on such a big piece of recovery because I never got to go through programs or treatments and kind of just white knuckled it. My goal for this year is to just learn more about the community here, learn more about what I didn't learn about myself and consistently grow as a human in that space. 
because I think it's been a huge eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. Huge eye opener for me and my family. Treatment treatment changed my life. Best thing ever happened to me. I, I, I truly believe that, and I will tell everybody and anybody that. Yeah. The best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, addiction was what it was, um, but but treatment changed my life. That was the first time I ever understood I was entitled to. And you came out feelings. of treatment and never used again. Yeah. Oh, good. Nice. Mm-hmm. I I went to treatment a few times, but never stayed sober after that. But mm-hmm. it was a struggle for me, definitely. But good. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, I had the toughest, toughest, toughest little old lady at the treatment center Aww. that they had going, and it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that any of it was easy or continues to be easy. No, a treatment is is an amazing, amazing journey to go on. Yeah. yeah. Had I not had that experience, you know. Yeah, exactly. To this day, I still wouldn't know that I'm entitled to emotions. Yeah, yeah. Really? What, do you want me to give a goal? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what my goal is are going to be for 2022 i have you know i have some ideas um your goal is to set goals yeah i (laughs) I think i think that is i think to set some goals some some risky goals um Mm -hmm. some things that make me scared some things that uh are gonna cause me to get outside of my comfort zone um because when i'm outside of that comfort zone i seem to grow and when i grow i'm my best and when i'm my best i show up like the man i want to be and the father i Mm want to be for my my family, right? So it's awesome. Uh, any final thoughts? No, this has been great. Yeah, all the best to everybody in 2022. And now you got me thinking about pushing outside of comfort zones. Hmm. I did. Um, it's the best place for growth. A right? seminar not long ago, and it was a lot of pushing out of comfort zone. That's been my big thing. I do that a lot lately. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it. And it's being aware of, you know, for me, it's. Fuck, I've been sober for over seven years now and I still, I know that what I have to do to get over those fears and I know what I got to do, but I sometimes just sit back on them. Um, and I guess that's what it is. It's having these conversations, getting outwardly focused, coming and sitting down with, you know, a group of people that are also doing the same. And, and like, like I said, I, I, you come up with your own solutions mm-hmm. you know, just by talking talking about them and all of a sudden you're like i know i know what to do i always have i always do Mm -hmm. i just sometimes don't and i need to get into these uh forms and outwardly focus more often to come up with my solution right yeah people still aren't comfortable with us talking to ourselves it's people seem to yeah (laughs) (laughs) even even journaling whatever that looks like for me the things yeah I, i know when i'm at my happiest i know when i'm at my uh best I just have to get back to those things, um, which are totally doable. It's just up to me now to. Well, we just got to go bowling more often. Bowling. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Fuck that. It's too we hard. Went, <laughs> we went bowling hard. on my birthday. Damon was pretty good. No. I, 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 I was kind of routing for you, Julie, but. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so 2022, a year of goals, not resolutions, a year of goals for for us sitting at the table and yeah, for anybody out there listening, uh, I guess that's a good segue into, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you, you have any comments, um, maybe leave a comment of what your goals are for 2022 in the, uh, in the comment section of the podcast on whatever, 
um, medium you use to listen to from uh, from darkness to life. Um, we'd love to hear from you. I guess there uh, is power in putting your goals out to the universe. So let us know. Let us know how we can support you. Um, all of us here at Our Collective Journey are here to, to support you. Um, if you're struggling with addiction, alcoholism, any mental health um, issues, or if you just want to talk, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what uh, what's going on for you in 2022. And with that, we are out from the Plugged In Media Network. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Amber. Thanks, Jen. Uh, have a great day. Thanks, man. Thanks, dude. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a Plugged In Media Network exclusive. Thank you for listening.